my generation has proved to be what the previous generation did. To be closed-minded, to be closed-armed, and to be closed-hearted. I have great hope for your generation. For in you I see a willingness to not only sacrifice of yourselves, but to love. My first church that I served was in the inner city of Detroit. I came out of seminary wanting to take on the world. So they put my wife and I in the heart of the ghetto. In fact, Joanne and I were the only whites in all African-American church. And it was there that I learned to scream at people. <laughs> because my members would say, you're too soft, you're too quiet. My first Christmas there, though, I got there in July. By my first Christmas, I was feeling terribly sad and terribly depressed. Not because they weren't beautiful, wonderful people they were, but because I felt so different. See, when I started at the church, we'd have maybe 30, 40 people in worship, older black ladies. When we left, we had over 500 people in worship, and we would have, we had, had um, whites and Asian Americans and Native Americans coming to the church. But when I first got there, it was just mostly older black ladies. And I felt so different because I was a young white guy. And try as I could to minister to them, I just so, felt so different. Now, there was this one lady. Her name was Carrie Jones. And Carrie always had a smile on her face. Her complexion was that of creamy Hershey's milk chocolate. I mean, it was just the most beautiful complexion I'd ever seen on anybody. It was so soft, I wanted to touch her face. And when she smiled, her face would light up and she could fill a darkened room with her brightness. And one Monday morning she came and she said, it wasn't too long before Christmas, she said, Pastor, I've just been noticing something's wrong with you. See, in our community, we call it the blues. And I'm just thinking maybe nobody's asked you, do you got the blues? What's the matter? And I tried to keep a stiff upper lip. And I was going to lie to her and say, no, everything's fine. But she said, before you lie to me, Pastor, I know something's wrong, and you got to tell me. And I remember coming out from behind my desk and sitting in the chair next to hers. And I said, Mrs. Jones, I'm so, so lonesome. And she said, are things not good with you? And the missus, I said, no, things are great with Joanne and I. She was teaching school. I said, when I'm home, everything's fine. But when I'm here, I feel so different. And she says, because you're white. I said, I guess. She said, well, we are different. But we're also the same. I said, I know. I said, Mrs. Jones, my birthday's coming up. And see... I always like to celebrate my birthday because it's exactly one week before Christmas, December the 18th. And when I was growing up, I'd only get one present. Happy, merry birthday, Christmas, you know? And so that used to bug me. When I got older, I thought, none of that stuff. So I started advertising for my birthday. I'd send out flyers. Shop off and shop early. Don't be cheap. My favorite flyer was this. Don't embarrass both of us by giving me a card this year. Get me a gift. <laughs> And I, I told her, I said, you know, my birthday was always something special at home. My mom would always make some funky cake. My favorite, though, was German chocolate cake. And Christmas time, I, <laughs> Christmas time, I grew up in a very, very American household, but it was tinged with German culture. 
I mean, the Christmas tree was always very, very important. And the Christmas carols and, and just the trappings of Christmas. And I didn't see that in the ghetto because there wasn't enough money to get things or to have so many decorations. I said, Mrs. Jones, I miss my upbringing. I miss the trappings of my birthday. I miss um, the, the Germanic-style Christmases that I was used to. I said, you know, I can't even get used to the food here. She said, you? I mean, look at me. You'd think I'd get used to any food. <laughs> but, I mean, we'd have collard greens. And I don't know if you know what those are. It's kind of a leafy plant. We'd have them on Wednesdays. And I got to tell you, I hated collard greens. We had a church and school together, and they'd, they'd cook them every day. We'd have hot lunch for the kids at school, Wednesdays, every Wednesdays, and the kids loved them. They'd cook collard greens. I'd have to get out of the church. I'd make visits that day because it just stunk up the place. And chitlins, I hated chitlins. You know what chitlins are? Pig guts. Yeah, pig guts, deep fat fried pig guts. Ew. I said, Mrs. Jones, I can't eat that stuff. It's just really weird. And I told her about some of the German chocolate cakes that I'd had. She hugged me after we were done talking, and she said, let's just trust in the Lord that he'll make this work out. A couple days later on my birthday, there was a knock on my door, and that seldom happened because my secretary was, we're in the ghetto, and so you had to get buzzed into the church. And my secretary was like a, a, a guardian angel for me. She, anybody that looked like they might rough me up or something, she kept them outside the church. So a knock on my office door meant it was somebody already in the church. And my secretary, Muriel Brown, she would always buzz me first. But she didn't buzz, so I went to the door. And I opened the door. And there was Carrie Jones standing, her face lit up like a Christmas tree. That beautiful complexion just smoothed into this smile I'd never seen quite so big before. And she said, Pastor Yonker, happy birthday. I said, well, thank you, Mrs. Jones. And she said, I brought you this. And she took the cake lid off of the cake plate she had in her hands. And there was the most beautiful German chocolate cake I'd ever seen in my life. I said, Mrs. Jones, that's beautiful. She said, it's German chocolate. I don't know how you people eat this stuff. <laughs> I found out later she made German chocolate cake every year. She was just busting my chops. But I started to cry. Not because she made me a beautiful German chocolate cake and it was beautiful and it tasted so good. But at that moment, I saw a sister in Christ. She could have beat me up the day I was telling her, saying, grow up, little boy. You're in the black community, you're in the ghetto. You think we're gonna worry about your, your silly white feelings? You who come from, from middle class background, you who never had a hungry belly, you who never went to bed cold, you think we're going to worry about your problems? She could have said that to me and she'd have been right. Instead, she went and she made me a German chocolate cake. Because at that point, what was more important to her was her young white brother's feelings than her own pride. We are called to move from the head to the heart in our own lives, in our homes, with our friends but most especially to the world. And I'm asking you, I'm begging you. Yay, let me use church language. I even beseech you. <coughs> Dare to be different. 
Don't let meanness and coldness and hurtfulness run your soul. Don't let coldness and meanness and hurtfulness ruin your soul. Hear again the call of Jesus. And he says, because I have loved you, now go and love one another. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and gave his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Therefore, since God so loved us, let us go love one another. 1 John 4, 11 and 12. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. I'm inviting you to a new way to live. Love. Not just with your head, but from the heart. Not just with those who love you, but even people who are different than you. 